Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to the robotics and AI community in Australia. I'm back on um, my Women in AI discussions, and um, I will be acknowledging the premier principal and lead partners uh, for the event that will be held on Friday, this Friday, the 16th June at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. It's shaping up to be a spectacular event. I'm nearly lost for words here, but I know that Andrew Miller, who's running the event, um, has just got an absolute showcase lined up for everyone. The Women in AI Partners have invited, have been invited to nominate an up-and-coming inspirational young woman within their organization, a rising star, to tell their story. Major partner, University of New South Wales, AI Institute have nominated Bernice Yao to have a chat today. Bernice, welcome and thanks very much for joining me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here to share with everyone about my story. Oh, that's yeah. great. So tell us a little bit. You have a Bachelor of Information Systems Honours from Lancaster University and a Master of Information Technology and Technology Management from the University of Sydney. Tell us a little bit how you went from the UK to come to Sydney. Oh, yeah. So before that, my bachelor degree, that was just a training program in Malaysia, but generally the, the course structure is the same as the one in Lancaster University, UK. So yeah, so how did I went from the UK and to Australia? So, well, it's a bit of uh, getting used to the culture as well. Yeah, and the weather as well. So, so because like, in UK, it can be gloomy and rainy at days and then when they come over here that it can be bright and sunny at times in Australia and also yeah the cost structure um it's it's different in UK and Australia as well so because like in UK their marks are like 70 and then you can be like a first class honors but over here it's 85 marks and you will get a higher distinction a high distinction so that's so it, this is a different part here of how they classify your result. And also, um, so for me in UK, in order to prepare to get into um, univers the University of Sydney in Australia, so I have to launch my application directly on Sydney student website. So that's the only platform that we have to use to apply for a course in the University of Sydney. Mm -hmm. And then I also, um, made all my funds available in the WISE, in the WISE uh, card account mm. or WISE bank account. So to make sure that I still save um, my money in other currency in the same platform so I can use it whenever I want and get the insurance to be ready. So you can, uh, for your student visa and study in the University of Sydney and also get your bank account ready. And that's the steps that I take to get from the UK and to Australia, yeah. Listen, you know, I applaud anyone that's got the the gumption and the bravery to come from one country to another. No, you're born in Kuala Lumpur, so you you nearly classify as a world citizen now because you've been around. And you know, it's it's. I think if you haven't actually done this, people don't realize how much courage it takes to go to another country and go and study there and literally actually start from scratch again. Yeah. Definitely. 
I think the main attribute is to always be adaptable. Yeah, so always try to be observant and look at how the people act or speak in other countries to be familiar with. So that's the first thing whenever that you need, when you go to a new country and then always be curious, have the curiosity to ask when you are not sure. So that is where then you can slowly accommodate to the changes that you're experiencing. I love that attitude because it shows a willingness that you're not um, stuck on, you know, we all have our own cultural and our, our own things that we think this is how stuff should be done. But you sound as though you've come here with a willingness to be open to adapt into a new culture. Absolutely. And I think that is one of the good attributes that everyone should have, especially in work as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah, especially with you going to new countries. So you are a, I'm calling it a DAC scholar, but it's DIC. Tell me what that is and what it's all about. Oh, yeah. So that was like a placement program for postgraduate student who is studying a computing course in the University of Sydney. Mm -hmm. So in a final semester, we would usually have a capstone project, which has a research element. So they try to incorporate research element into the postgraduate course. So because of that, you have also option to take an internship in addition to the research work that you're doing. You have to apply through the University of Sydney com uh, Computer Science uh, website and then just put all of your details and your transcript. Mm -hmm. So you have to be uh, having an average of above 75. And then there will be a few stages of interviewing with the Department of Computer Science and then on to interviewing with the New South Wales Data Analytics Centre. And after that, then it should be around one week, then you will get a notification whether or not you can, uh, you can have this placement opportunity. Yeah, so it's just an additional, um, additional area for a computer science student like us to have placement opportunity yeah, in our postgraduate course. Well, congratulations. It doesn't sound as though everyone can get into it. So well done to you. You're currently working for the New South Wales Department of Customer Service. Tell us a little bit what your job entails there. Yeah. So currently my job entails more about natural language preprocessing. Mm -hmm. So currently I invest and research a lot on Google Vertex AI and also some state-of-the-art uh, model like BERT and Electra to, to classify the survey text that was uh, that most other people gave to service news views and get the sentiment and also find all of the topics that was discussed by the respondent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there is a lot of natural language pre-processing that, that I am working on. Yeah. And tell me what excites you about your job? The motivation I think is really the teamwork spirit Everyone is so dedicated and professional in, in, the, in my workplace. And yeah, you, it's so supportive that whenever you felt like you need help, everybody are just there for you. And they just want to bring out the best of you to learn and also give the best work that you can ever give to the workplace. Oh, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. I'm so happy that you're in such a um, building up environment. Past projects of yours in AI-related projects have included using AI for object detention in an image and natural language pre-processing to detect depressive thoughts on Twitter. This, um, this is very interesting to me. Tell me a little bit about the Twitter project. 
Yeah, so that was the final year project that I have done with uh, the Lancaster University in UK. Yeah. So because initially I wanted to research or work on a topic that is uh, that can give good contribution to the society. And one of the topic I find online on Reddit and also on Stack Overflow that they are looking for a person that can develop a model that can detect depressive thought on social media texts, on social media platform. So I've so I have interest in this topic and I've taken on it and I managed to get a supervisor to also guide me throughout this process. So what I did is that there is a few existing depression text lexicon that was developed by some of the researchers. So I just took that and also extend some of the words. So I so I get like all of the texts from the depressed, identify as depressed people on social media platform that say that I have been diagnosed with depression. So I collected all of these individual, um, their, their, their texts, their tweets, and then I get the main keywords that they always uh, wrote on their social media platform. And then based on that, then I recruited some psychologists to rate whether that word is is really related to, to depression or not. And then I also asked the psychologist to recommend some words to add in the lexicon. So I used that words to find a distribution of words that relates to the depressive uh, words in the lexicon and non-depressive word, just to find a distribution on whether or not to classify a text as having uh, a depressive thought. Mm. So after a few trials and and it really gave a very good result that all of the psychologists rated as this has significantly improved like the previous depression lexicon. Mm. And then and then I just deploy on a website and everybody can just log in, not log in, but visit the website and just conduct some depression analysis on their social media platform. Congratulations. It's it's very valuable work. You know, I we, we live in a society where increasingly it's heads down on phone. People really, really looking up when they move around, even walking. I um, use public transport quite a lot. So I, I'm always fascinated to see people, the percentage of people completely engaged in their phone. Um, you could literally have, you know, someone dropping dead next to them. I don't even know that they'd even look up. And the very small minority of people actually sitting and, um, engaging and looking at the environment around them. And I wonder, you know, our, our depression, stats around depression is increasing. And, you know, while we're socially so connected to each other on our, our yeah. apps and things, we actually so far removed from each other when we actually have the opportunity to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I realized another thing is that one of the findings is that, um, people would tend to express their thoughts online, especially when they are feeling lonely or feeling depressed or feeling sad. And they might even just create like a fake account, a fake social media account to express whatever that they are feeling. And it's really all on social media that they would invest their time in these days. And also when it comes to depressed people, you realize they will use more, uh, more swear or profanity on their profile because they are just really being expressive at that moment and expressing their their thoughts as being disappointed or dis- or depressed at that time. It's really a change of behavior compared to the time like maybe 10 years before where we aren't that we 
reliant on technologies back then. Yeah, it's good and bad. And I, I, you know, I always say to my own kids, you know, it's great, but you need to, it's like anything, you need to manage it. Don't get sucked into this. And I'm sure you can, you know, we can both talk about, I'm just checking something on YouTube and then like three hours later, you go, my goodness, like where did the time go? Yeah. It's highly addictive. Now, speaking of highly addictive, chat GTP, tell me, are, are you using this? And how do you think this is going to change and is changing our world around us? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think majority of my friends even used it for various kind of tasks or scenario because everybody is just curious to try out ChatGPT and see how it performed these days. But I think based on what I've thought that ChatGPT could be the new Google because everyone just so curious to, to know what ChatGPT what ChatGPT would respond. So they just type in their query in ChatGPT. Is that acting as like a new Google platform? And I think a lot of people would use ChatGPT to seek help these days, especially like technical people like us. Sometimes when we are having trouble with coding or anything related to tech, we will also just ask ChatGPT and it really gave like a good response. They can develop like a website from scratch just just by asking them, just by asking ChatGPT. And I think because of that, everybody felt like there is no pressure on like thinking who to ask these days, who is the right person to ask. Everybody just felt like, oh, I can just seek help from ChatGPT, but it's about any mental issue that they are facing. Everybody just felt like ChatGPT could be there to give like a real-time response based on whatever that you want to ask. Well, I suppose... You know, it's great because I, I, I've spoken to other guests and they also use it. And, you know, if you look at, say you have to do a project, like you're talking a school kid needs to do a, do a project and their starting base would have been pretty low by using yeah. chat GPTD, GPT, they, they've actually lifted themselves up a notch that they wouldn't have been able to get there themselves. And from there, they can now, you know, continue to grow. And so there's nothing wrong with that per se, but I suppose... Um, and my guest was quick to point out that his son just used it as a basis because he still did all the investigation and everything else around the project that he needed to do. So if you use it like that as a tool, it's fine. But say you're using it as a tool to put in a piece of work that seriously is not yours. What do you think, how are universities coping with this? It's, it must be a real challenge. Yeah, I think there is a, a program called GPT-0 right now that really detects whether or not your your uh, your assignment are written by ChatGPT. So definitely ChatGPT is just a baseline just to give you maybe a foundation or an introduction about some some stuff that you're curious to find out. But really the work and uh, ev everything must be done by yourself. Yeah and it must be yeah, and it must be original and not just by ChatGPT. Yeah, look, I, I think this is going to become, I think it already is. It's it's like a nightmare for some universities and schools, but it's not something that you can actually ban. Like we have to integrate this. And and as you said, there are ways that you can check it. I, you know, I think it just makes it so complex because any project that you're doing now will probably have to be submitted online. There's no other way you can do it because the counter program will then be able to check it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all I'm glad I'm not a teacher today out there having to deal with all of this. Exactly. Because in the past, I think even when we study, we do not have this, this much of a support 
online to even complete our assignment. So, yeah, I, yeah. So I think the student nowadays should not be too reliant on chat, like tech, like on tech, for example, like ChatGPT. Else, it might not. They might not even learn anything valuable from their degree as well or their yeah. course. Yeah, so you're going to have a whole lot of whole, whole lot of people with degrees that are actually quite uneducated. <laughs> we hope not. We Hopefully hope not. not. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> so, Denise, tell me, do you have a mentor? Well, not really a mentor, but for me, I think a men- maybe on my workplace, I don't really have a mentor, but maybe the mentor would be just myself and looking at the past and what, and looking at all the possible stuff and I reflect that what I can change or what I can improve. But in terms of somebody there to guide me, I think I felt that uh, because of my colleague in my workplace, they are so so cooperative and they are really just amazing people to work with. So I can always just rely on any one of them. So they so I don't really have like a specific mentor myself maybe it's just me uh, if I really want to look at things to improve I would just do some reflection on myself and also just write down some stuff that I think I can potentially improve that's that's a very mature way to look at it but like as you say your colleagues as well it's these informal mentors that I sort of classify mentors as you can have a formal mentor that you mentor that you have a catch-up once a month or whatever the case may be but, yeah. you know, you've got people every day that you learn from and you watch them under exactly you know, difficult situations. What do they do? How do they handle themselves? And what can you learn from that? I realized because one of the attributes like for new graduate students, they should be observant when it comes to like working in a new company. So that allows them to know like what are the attributes to, to lead to a successful project in a company. And also, how did the people got used to the work in the company? So I think if you are being curious and observant, it will lead you to a long way and you will learn a lot from, from everyone in the company, even extending beyond your team as well. Yeah, Yeah. look, I, I applaud your very mature approach to this. I think that bodes really well for you and you're going to do exceptionally well. So the University of New South Wales AI Institute, they're the major partner uh, for this fantastic awards night for women in AI. Why do you think recognition um, for women in this field is so important? Yeah, because I think, well, because that, like for women, I think based on my research on the World Economic Forum, that among all of these crazy inventions these days, like self-driving cars and, and whatnot, only 20% of the AI professionals are women. And if you are looking specifically on in Australia, so only 29% of women are in tech field. So I think there is definitely this lack of or this different in proportion of women or underrepresentation of women in this field mm. so i hope to uh, to encourage everyone to attend this to attend this award ceremony to to get this awareness that women can really make remarkable contribution in this field and when it comes to to get inspiration or being educated or to get more knowledge from this from this talk because I realized that for women 
there is a study that say that if we have a role model in life, especially for women, we are 35% likely to be successful in our work. So I think this is this award ceremony that we plenty of like really successful tech women out there that you can network like, and get new, new knowledge from them and also like just network them and you might come across a new job opportunity by just talking to them. So it's really an amazing opportunity for everyone. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, for those of you who aren't able to um, attend the Women in AI, there's a website. All the finalists have actually been announced on them. So if you haven't connected with them on LinkedIn, I strongly encourage you to do that. And with Bernice here, please do follow her and connect with her. And um, if you've got any questions or want to maybe explore further discussion with her, hit her up on LinkedIn. But that's actually really good advice. And I think, you know, we again get to the informal um, mentors that you look at. And even if you don't have the opportunity to meet these women in person, you know, you can track their careers and see what they're doing and how they've done it. Tell me, Bernice, um, in terms of you going into information systems, how did this happen for you? Information system? Yeah, like your honours degree. Like yeah, how did yeah. you go into a tech field? I think because I, I'm a person that is really curious and likes to research and get facts to validate my finding or whatever that, that I had in mind. So I thought that, yeah, this analytic field could be one of these interesting fields that I can invest my time because this machine learning or AI or deep learning, it's still in a research field, plenty of opportunity for people like me to invest my time to research and get an understanding of like the reason of updated tech these days. Congratulations. You From your short career, you're doing exceptionally well. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with today? Relating back to, this, to the stats I said before, that, well, I felt like after reading a few articles, I felt that, Definitely, there is some underrepresentation of women in tech field. And I hope to spread some awareness that really women, they can really do amazing work in tech as well. And that is why I encourage everyone to attend the Friday Award Ceremony and also get awareness that women can also uh, done re remarkable contribution in this field. Bernice, thank you so much for your time. I'm mindful that you've got a job, that you also have to work. So... Um, to our audience, if you have any further questions for Bernice, make sure to contact her on LinkedIn um, and connect with her there. And also an invitation to have a look at the Women in AI's website, have a look who the finalists are there and uh, connect with these women as well. Always nice to get a congratulatory uh, message in your inbox if, if you're following something. And uh, Bernice, thank you so much for your time today. All right. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great pleasure. To our audience out there, I hope you have a fabulous day wherever you are in the world. Stay well, and I look forward to your company again next week. Mm -hmm.